After their successful missions on Therum and Novaria, Gortney Shepard and Jin Shepard traveled to Pharos, where they repelled a Geth invasion, witnessed even more corporate corruption, and rid the garden of a 50,000-year-old space weed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Asynchronous, a video game catch-up show. My name is AJ. My name is Kim. And today we are on our third episode of our Mass Effect season, which we were just saying weirdly feels like our like sixth or seventh episode. It's I'm just so comfortable in this space. It feels like I've always been here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So yeah, we'll be talking about uh, Pharos as the main story mission and then some side missions as well. Yeah. I would love to get into it, but Kim, I know that you have some bullshit. I got some bullshit for yeah. us. Um, so this one, bear with me with this one. This <laughs> one's a little self-indulgent. Okay. As you know, AJ, uh, yeah. my best friends, Molly and Daniel, are having a baby this year. <gasps> Yay! Congratulations, Molly and Daniel. I love you both very much. Um, Congratulations. Now, yeah. they are planning to name this baby Leo. Okay. Leo is a very cute name. I'm very into it. I think it's great. Yeah. However... I know Molly's a big fan of Mass Effect. Um, and before she has the baby and they commit to a name, I just want to make sure we've explored all options. Okay. Um, so here are the names of seven planets from Mass Effect that I think would also make great baby names. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 Let's hear them. Okay. Um, we're going to start. We're going to start easy. Logan. Logan sure. is the name of a planet in the Mass Effect universe and is also just a, a name for a human. A powerful name. Powerful. That's an easy one. Okay. Yeah. Number two, uh, Cameron. This is spelled C-A-M-A-R-O-N. Okay. So this is also just a name, kind of. It's Cameron. Yeah. But with a unique spelling. Obviously, it's a very millennial way to name a baby. So the baby <laughs> will fit in with all of its baby friends. Right. The only drawback of this name is that it is spelled like the Spanish word for shrimp. Mm. So Is that a drawback? I don't know. That's a great question. On the one hand, potential bullying from Spanish-speaking classmates. Sure. On the other hand, kind of cute. It's kind of cute. Kind of cute for a baby. Our little shrimp. Yeah, I think that's adorable. Yeah, a little shrimp. That's adorable. And and think about the positive characters, characteristics of a shrimp. Strong exoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> lot of arms. Very dexterous. Uh, depending on the kind of shrimp we're, we're talking about, mantis shrimp can punch faster than any other animal on the in the world. <laughs> Can't they also see colors that we can? Yeah, they have, I think they can see infrared light. So very powerful little guys. Yeah, you're making some strong points I'm just here. saying. I'm just All right. saying. All right. That one just, I feel like, got moved up the list in terms of interest. Continuing on a similar theme. Yeah. The next one, uh, Ageko. A-G-E-K-O. I like this one because it sounds like you're saying the baby's name is Ageko. Yeah. As in the lizard. And that might not sound ideal, but consider um, Daniel, the father, mm. uh, really likes snakes. He had a, mm. a, a snake as a pet and a gecko is another reptile. And so I like this because it feels like 
we're bringing in both parents' interests. Oh, um, okay. There's something for everyone yeah. in, in this pick. <laughs> so I think that's nice. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, no, no further point. No, nothing to add. I think that's great. The next one, Faringor, F-A-R-I-N-G-O-R. <laughs> this one sounds like it could be the name of a Jarl in Skyrim. Yes. Skyrim is another game that both Molly and Daniel love. And okay. so I love that. It has layers. Yeah. This is, there's multiple meanings of this name that make it meaningful. So I, I think that's nice, too. Yeah. That's very it. It sound it, it's whereas um, Cameron is like a, 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 a subtle strength. This name is like you tell somebody this is your name and they feel like they're about to get beat up. You know, it just sounds very mm-hmm. powerful. I'm, I'm doing like a flexing motion with my arms. It just seems like I, the, a person yeah, with this I name seems like they're huge. You know, it's a name for for an absolute unit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next name. Wheeler. OK. Yeah. So celebrities will frequently look at a random word and say, I'm going to name my child that. That's mine. <laughs> and so for, yeah, that's how we got Apple, the daughter of Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin. That's how we got Blue Ivy, the daughter of Beyonce and Jay-Z. Wheeler, I think, is great because you get all the sophistication of that same sort of naming convention. Right. It's like choosing a random word like a celebrity would. Right. But it's also the name of a planet in Bioware's Mass Effect. So it just happens to be. I like I don't know what there is to dislike. Yeah. The next one I have Edmos. I like this name because it has a great potential for nicknames. You got Ed. You got Eddie. That's think about a baby named Eddie. Like that's adorable. Objectively. Sure. This name gives you all the benefits of Edward, but with a fun modern twist. Hmm. Yeah, I would say most is like a much better ending than word. You know, Mm -hmm. there's something very Mm -hmm. like like gag adjacent <laughs> to like <laughs> word, you know, cause it's so, it's so yeah. the, the R is so far in the back of your throat. So Ed, Edmus, Edmos, Edmus. I, Maybe Edmus. I don't know. I don't know how any of these are actually pronounced. Sure. I think too, it's like, this is like Edward 2.0. It's like the <laughs> sequel to Edward. <laughs> yeah. 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 Edward old news, old fashioned Edmos. Next big thing. Yeah. You heard it here first. S tier. Finally, last one. Jun Thor. <laughs> J U. <laughs> J-U-N-T-H-O-R. I like this one because you can shorten it to Thor, which is obviously very powerful. Or Jun. (laughs) Or Jun. And you may be asking, like, at that point, why wouldn't you just, like, name the baby Thor? Mm. To which I would respond, because it's not the name of a planet in Bioware's 2007 (laughs) masterpiece, Mass Effect. Of course, of course, of course. Please try to keep up. Yes. So those are all of my name ideas. Uh, Once again, congratulations, Molly and Daniel. I'm so excited for you. I'm excited to meet baby John Thor. um, (laughs) And I can't wait for them to play Mass Effect. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'd be like, wait, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how you got your name. Yeah. Can can I can I lobby for one? Absolutely, AJ. It's it's not a planet. Um, Actually, one really quick. There is a, a, a system. Ag- Agnes Rowe is what it is, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that is honestly actually pretty good. Um, Agnes Rowe, like like first name Agnes, middle name Rowe? Um, I think maybe that's the whole first name, Agnes Rowe. Oh, okay. You know? I love that, yeah. Um, I do think Rowe is a very powerful shortening. Um, I agree. Anyway, but the one I actually wanted to say <laughs> um, was to uh, Alenko. You name your child Alenko. <gasps> 
I actually love that. I knew you I knew, <laughs> I knew you would. Um and That's hey, great. maybe maybe we can be a Junthor Alenko, you know, maybe Alenko's Junthor the middle Alenko. name. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. I, I don't want to take the power from the first name, you know. Um, mm -hmm. but yes, big congratulations. I almost said on your nuptials. Um <laughs> big congratulations on the on the child. Very excited to see baby Junthor online, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this baby's gonna be very online. Yes. Internet um, child. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what that was. <laughs> oh, I'm going to I'm I'm space today. <laughs> so that's my bullshit for the day. Uh, that's good. Good yeah. stuff. Junthor. It's I just it's it sticks with you. Junthor does. It does. Right. Yeah. Like like after you have a meeting with someone named Junthor, you're not forgetting that name. <laughs> no, you're you not. Know? That sets Never. them up for success. You know, through it's their whole great life. Great for networking. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, this guy Junthor. They instantly know exactly who you're talking about because there's like, not oh my God, two yeah, Jun Junthor. Right. There's no two. Exactly. Ugh. Well, there will be once it catches on once it and catches becomes on. the right. hot new name. Right. But then it'll be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we um, should we talk about the video game? Yeah, yeah. probably. OK. All right. <laughs> uh, we'll get right into it uh, with chapter Four, I guess, technically. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to make sure before we uh, like get into it, after you've done two of yes. the three worlds, you get a message from the council mm -hmm. letting you know that they had like a like a covert unit in the Traverse sort of tracking Saren. And he is on a planet called Vermeyer right now. So this is the next mission and you can right. actually do this mission before you do sort of the third of these first few planets. We did not do that. We're going to save Vermeer uh, just because it sort of flows better in the story. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting that you can. Yeah, I think it's so this unlocks after you do any two. Right. I think so. Yeah. Which is so uh, interesting. Yeah. To me. Maybe it's just after Neveria. I'm not sure. Because, like, I guess I could see it coming after Neveria because then you've met Benezia and stuff and, like, you've gotten that whole kind of arc and right. stuff. But I feel like if if you did uh, Thelos or whatever the planet Liara's on is. Theron. Theron. And then Pharos. And then you can go to Vermeer. You haven't actually encountered Matriarch Benezia at all. Mm -hmm. You don't really know anything about the Sovereign or the Rachni or whatever, which feels like it's a big part of that arc. Yeah, I, I just looked it up and apparently it's just unlocked by completing two of the three. It Wild. It doesn't, doesn't seem to matter which. It can make sense either way, I guess, because it's all sort of, it, with each of these, it's sort of unraveling different sort of parts of the mystery, sure. I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I don't want to say too much more. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I, I think it'll all become clear when, when we play Vermeer. Yeah. But I can see it working that way. It's just in terms of like, narrative and like mounting tension yeah. and you know sort of leading into a crescendo in the finale uh it makes more sense to me to to save Vermeer and it's actually I'm not sure why they have it unlock before then because I I just think storytelling wise it's much more interesting after you've hit these three worlds yeah I guess maybe it's to like make it I don't know, just like more like narratively interesting. I don't know. Cause I mean, for a game that came out in 2007, this game is really trying a lot of stuff. And maybe they were just trying 
more kind of like pseudo emergent storytelling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's not like actually like working off of the stuff you're doing, but it's like, oh, you've done these two chapters. So now there's another thing, but you still also have this other story. Like maybe it was just something like that where they're playing around with it. I'm, um, I don't really know. Yeah. But, uh, I, I do think it is it is a weird choice to be able to go do that mission. I, I, I don't really know anything about Vermeer, but I know it is like the the mission, the big mission in this game. Mm-hmm. So it seems weird to like have you do that and then be like, but <laughs> there's also this other <laughs> stuff. But anyway, uh, I'm very excited to talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, so we get that call and then uh, I still went to Pharos because I Me you know, that's what yeah. we said we were going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you head to Pharos, uh, which is another corporate planet, another corporation planet, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. It's almost like this game's trying to say something. <laughs> yeah. I that let me let me. OK, just starting with what is Pharos? It's um, it's a colony that mm-hmm. was established by a corporation called Exogeny. And the way that this works, which is so fascinating that they thought about this, is really interesting. This company will basically fund colonization and the colonists are like employees, basically, of the company who work on mm-hmm. its behalf in exchange for the company, like setting them up on, on this planet. And, you know, what's in it for the company is extracting resources or interesting technology or, you know, whatever can be found right. on these planets. Pharos was once like a very developed like Prothean city. So there's all kinds of Prothean ruins there. And yeah, it does feel like I don't I I never really appreciated this in my first few playthroughs, but like mm. there is this like very big undercurrent of like, I don't know if it's full scale like anti-capitalism, but it's it's very much like criticism of big corporations. Sure. It's so interesting. It almost I I never made the connection before but it's almost kind of like a a spiritual predecessor to outer worlds where like outer worlds looked yeah. at at this game and was like what if we just like made this anti-capitalist message extremely heavy-handed <laughs> yeah yeah it's really interesting um yeah um i do think it's i i also i i think it's extremely interesting i think exogeny specifically is a very interesting company mm-hmm. because they fund these these colonies like you said but from my understanding they're just like go colonize this place and then that's that's all they do they like fund it for that time and then once they find like a resource or something and it maybe it's maybe it's different for pharaohs because there's very obviously like a protein city there um they will quote unquote repurpose the colony and like turn them into like work like actual mm-hmm. workers now is that is that my understanding that right yeah i don't i don't even know if it's if it's that order of operations or if like that's just how it is it's okay. it's like they they send you there and you are an exogeny employee for your time yeah. there or maybe not an employee, but, you know, what, yeah. whatever it is, it's like you're working on their behalf. Right. Um, it's sort of the like quid pro quo of it's almost like mm. like, I guess, maybe not exactly the same, but like indentured servitude kind of where it's like, yeah, yeah you can come to this place, but you are going to work for me, you know, for. Right. It's 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 kind of like if someone if someone in in the real world to were to like 
use affordable housing programs in that way. Mm -hmm. Like we will let you work here if you work for us. Yeah. (laughs) And granted, I don't know a whole lot about the specifics of affordable housing, but as far as I know, you don't have to work for the people who are giving (laughs) you the house, but that's so it's it's very interesting. And that's a common theme kind of throughout like the, the corporations and stuff Mm -hmm. is like a common theme throughout sci-fi like fiction in general, even like old school sci-fi in like the, the sixties, seventies were all like all were already seeing these companies born out of like the industrial revolution and stuff and we're like there is no good conclusion (laughs) Mm -hmm. to these companies gathering more and more power and like you know monopolizing like life and stuff so Um, interesting that sci-fi is like such a that that's an ongoing theme and i don't know if i wonder if that's just because (laughs) when you're thinking about like well how are things going to be in the future as as like technology and everything develops if the natural conclusion of that is yeah corporations continue to be really fucked up and like grow more fucked up Uh, it's interesting i don't know i i think um there's a lot of overlap with science fiction and like speculative fiction which is like oh what if this was the future and then like it's like oh what if corporations were the future and then you kind of work backwards from there and it's like oh how did they get here and then you introduce all of the like mm-hmm. science and technology and stuff into it so i mean it, it, it just fully makes sense for there to be multiple planets that work like this in the mass effect universe and for them mm-hmm. to be like the ones that have the problems or are causing the problems <laughs> yeah it, I, it's just really it's, it's just really interesting to see that kind of through line in like a modern piece of of science fiction. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I should just on the level I have taken science fiction and philosophy <laughs> classes in college. Um, and a lot of the stuff we read was like, you know, pre 2000s, because a lot of the the speculative and science fiction stuff from like the 70s and 80s um, and even before like Asimov and stuff in the 60s, you know, it, it had a much grander view of what stuff would be like in like 2007 or mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, but it's so it's it's interesting for me to see something that is from, you know, it's still pre 2010, but it's in the 2000s. Um, that is like, you know, even even it's not humanity that made these companies that did this stuff. These companies exist, whether it's on Earth or in, you know, light years away, whatever. Like um, mm-hmm. and, and I know Exogeny is a, is Exogeny Human Corporation. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is like I, I think it's supposed to be like very explicitly human corporation. Yeah. It's basically a corporation. I, I mean, it is. <sighs> I just think it's so interesting because like that is totally what would happen, right? Like Mm -hmm. if if we actually started colonizing other planets, it wouldn't be, you know, like governments wouldn't fund it. Fucking SpaceX would like, I I just, uh, I don't know. It feels very grounded in that way. Um, Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what's so spooky about spec Mm -hmm. fiction and stuff is that it's like you see it it's not like hard you don't have to make a lot of logical leaps to like get to you know the the basic conceit Uh of like yeah the a company made this thing and this is just how it works and we're kind of all just kind of caught up in it which is sucks but is is you know yeah it makes it feel grounded i'm trying to remember if if this becomes sort of comes to the fore more in in mass effect two or three or if it Mm. sort of fades to the background a bit more i and because it's like not something that i really clocked previously i i'm having trouble remembering but i i'll be interested to like put a pin in that and when we eventually play those games sort of see how it's how it's folded in yeah especially as bioware becomes more of a like big video game Mm -hmm. company yeah are they willing to are they willing to keep looking inward that's like hey maybe we're we're the problem um (laughs) get acquired um yeah yeah, it's interesting it's making me want to um absorb more science fiction there's a lot of good science fiction out there kim it sounds like it
Okay. There's a lot of real good science fiction. Anyway, Pharos, anyway. um, <laughs> run by or, or, or funded by Exogeny. And as soon as you arrive on the planet, there's a guy who's like, oh, great, you're here. Uh, well, and, OK, the the we got the like cliffs notes of this when we first were leaving the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anderson was like, here are your three quests you could do. Pharos is basically under like constant geth attack. Right. And we, you know, obviously they think it's because they are like set up in these Prothean ruins, um, which surprise is accurate, kind of. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of like the whole conceit is like, oh, they're just under attack at all times. So you right. arrive, you talk to this guy's like, oh, great. You have to come talk to, to Fidan um, and like figure out what happens. And then he is immediately off. That dude is gone yeah. uh, as the Geth attack. Yeah. It's like you you finish that dialogue and immediately it's like Geth are shooting. At you. I literally I was taking my note of like, OK, this this guy wants me to go talk to Fidan and I looked up and he, he was off the screen and we were in fo- we were fighting. I was like, Fuck, yeah, wait, <laughs> shit. It happens so fast. Uh, and then, you, you know, you take out some geth. You go into this. Uh, you make your way into the human colony. Everybody has their guns pointed like at the door that you come in. You're like, mm-hmm. hey, what's up? And I was just like talking to people because, you know, that's the first thing I do usually when I arrive at places. And everyone's like, I hope no more geth come. It's like, well, <laughs> they're gonna. <laughs> um <laughs> And then you go and you meet Fidan, uh, and uh, I only wrote her last name, Martinez. And they kind of give you the rundown of like all the exogeny stuff that we just talked about, of like they funded the planet and blah, 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 and say that the Geth ships have landed on the main base, exogeny headquarters, and have like fucked with the electronics and everything. And also they are like have water shortages and food shortages. Um, Mm -hmm. and there are just like a lot of geth everywhere, um, which were all side missions that I did not do (laughs) because it's fine. It's just go place, fight thing, leave. Yeah. I, I, I had asked him, I was like, is there any, like anything besides Paragon and Renegade points to gain from this? And she was like, I don't even think there's Paragon and Renegade points. I think it's just experience. So I was like, okay, well I don't need, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't do that. Sorry, maybe a bad shepherd. Oops. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what Exogeny is looking for out of these ruins um, or if they've found anything mm-hmm. or if there's like a reason that the Geth all of a sudden are extremely interested in this in this colony. Uh, and so you're like, OK, well, I guess I'll go find out. And so then you go and do that. Yeah. And just to to place us geographically, you yeah. land on uh, the colony, which is called Zoo's Hope. Um, and the Geth's base of operation right now is like the main facility. Or I'm sorry, I'm getting. I think you're right. The Exogeny headquarters, right? Yeah. And then Exogeny has like a separate headquarters, which is where the Geth have have set themselves up. Um, right. And they have, I guess we find out when we get there, sort of what is going on. So I'll yeah. save that for now. So we do some more um, bad truck driving <laughs> did you did you happen to speak to people before you left for hq oh no i didn't um damn just- it <laughs> <laughs> i had also messaged kim that like if i played this game in 2007 as a teen there's no way <laughs> i would have missed out on so much of this game and even now as a 28 year old person i'm still missing out on so much of this game oh yeah i mean me too like i said my response to you was there's a lot that i missed as i said a few minutes ago like right I, I, I didn't really, especially on Pharos, for whatever reason, I don't feel like I've ever actually like paid that much attention to what's mm. going on. So m- 
much makes more sense to me now on this playthrough after like actually paying attention. Yeah. But um, just just uh, the interesting thing that would have happened there is just if you go around and talk to everyone, they're like, yeah, living here fucking sucks. But there is something kind of special about it. And when you when you Mm. ask them more, they're like, talk to Fidan. He'll he'll explain it to you or whatever. Mm. Interesting. And uh, when if you go back and talk to Fidan, you're like, everybody's acting kind of weird. Um, He just says it's because, oh, they've lost so much like due to the debt this was our home and we've lost so many people and you know so everybody's just like dealing with that it's like that doesn't really explain any of that but okay yeah there's also one woman i think her name is hana murakami who she's like working on a, a little terminal like that has something to do with like their their freighter ship mm. and if you ask her about it she gets very nervous and she's like i don't it's fine i'll go talk to fidan and then um you yeah, can't like ask her any more questions it's like all of the dialogue trees are shut out to you and oh, if you try wow. and talk to her she's just like go talk to fidan i don't know bye whoa just okay. a little interesting tidbit planting that seed early mm-hmm. um, oh there's also a salarian here who explains how salarian naming conventions work which <gasps> I oh i can't believe i missed that yeah apparently like he has a really really long name and it's because salarians um have like a given name and a last name but then they have all these middle names that just identify exactly where they were born <laughs> so he's like i was born on in this system on this planet uh in this ward like and <laughs> that's those are all Whoa. in his name <laughs> It's interesting. Anyway. That's so, oh, fuck. That's so good. Because, you know, Salarians don't live for a long time, Mm -hmm. so they don't have time for the like, oh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Questions. So they say, here's my name, and that is the exact, that is their whole birth story. Oh, Mm -hmm. fuck. That's so good. (laughs) This game is so good. Holy shit. I, just another aside, when you messaged me last night, like, (laughs) I spent all day playing Mass Effect, and now I just want to play more Mass Effect. Yeah. Ugh added years to my life anyway <laughs> we're going to one hq last, well wait really quick sorry one last thing that i thought was really interesting is you're like oh you know once we figure this stuff out we should get you we could get you off the planet like you know the normandy's not big but we could probably shuttle you guys off and you know finance is the same thing of like oh you know this is like our home we would rather just kind of retake this place and i was like oh okay they must have been here for a while and then the next sentence is like we've been here for like three years and i'm like okay <laughs> like i can get having a connection yeah. to a place but like this place and it's just yeah. like broken down ruins that are like and they're um, like, oh, we have no power and we have no water and we're short on food and it fucking sucks to live here. But we, it's our home. Yeah, it's our home. It's like, OK, this seems a little <laughs> off. So that was the only indication that I got that stuff was off. But mm-hmm. that was enough, honestly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, then we make our way to HQ. Uh, a lot of bad driving, shooting some guys. And mm-hmm. then you find halfway there, you find a or I guess you just intercept like a radio signal Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. uh and if you like pull off to the side there is like a little underground thing in like this parking garage situation or something uh and there's just some people who are like trying to survive in there Mm -hmm. Um, they came from from exogeny hq and got out they they don't know that like there are still survivors at zeus hope there is one exogeny like corporate employee who is <laughs> Ethan Jong e- Ethan Jong right um <laughs> world's sucks. shittiest man um <laughs> sucks so bad dude is just a he's just a, a company man you know mm-hmm. through and through and that's really his entire character yeah he's uh, like oh I fucking hate it here and I hope they you know send me home soon and someone's yeah. got to worry about the bottom line yeah he's, he was like literally sent to determine like will we get any return on the investment right. that was uh pharaohs yeah 
so stupid. And then we're like, oh, well, you you know, Zeus Hope has some people, so maybe you could make your way back there and like team up with them. And he's like, well, no, we'll just wait for uh, corporate backup to come, which is like, I don't know if it's coming, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that this is where you get the whole rundown of like Exogeny does colonial development like as their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of are like throwing as many people in as many planets as they can to hope one of them will hit it big. And then that will that will be worth it in the return. Uh, we also talked to uh, I did not write her name down. Juliana. Thank you. Juliana, uh, who says her daughter, Lizbeth, is still stuck in Exogeny HQ. And so you say you'll go rescue her. There's a guy there who left some stuff on his work computer that he wants you to download <laughs> onto a USB. <laughs> Um, I didn't save this to the system. It's yeah. uh, I saved it locally. Can you please? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you do some data, some data retrieval for a, a gentleman, uh, and you agree to go save Lisbeth, who is a scientist. I guess mm-hmm. is worth is worth uh, pointing out. So then you make it there. Did you have anything else before we actually make it to the HQ? Nope. Cool. Uh, so we make it to the HQ and we like <laughs> almost immediately find Lizbeth mm-hmm. who then tells you about what kind of has been happening on the planet, like what Exogeny has been doing or like studying or whatever. She gives you part of the story. Here. Yes. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Uh, she's not extremely forthcoming, but she does. Mm-hmm. She does tell you about the Thorian being some kind of very old plant being and that it is below Zoo's hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is a cool fact. Yeah. She also explains that the Geth showed up here they like attached their ship to the building to like hack into its power systems yeah and are using all of that power to um create an energy field to kind of like restrict access to the building like in or out um which is how she kind of got stuck here (laughs) i think it's so funny it's like shepherd kind of has to like find a way in and the way that they do that is like there's just like a hole in the ground (laughs) that you drop into like oh okay that's very funny (laughs) but you can't climb back out of it you can't climb back as (laughs) as i jumped into that hole garris was like this looks like a one-way jump i was like well i'm already down here garris so thank you um and speaking of which i guess it's worth noting i think my steady party unless there's like a specific story reason for me to bring somebody else is garris and tolly nice uh Um, i brought caden and tolly on this one um for the tech expertise yeah yeah okay so uh after you meet lisbeth she gives you like her key card essentially to get her get around the building um so you can figure out how to take down the geth like energy field so as you sort of head into the building there's a krogan who's trying to access (laughs) encrypted files on on a vi and is having a lot of trouble with it because he doesn't have like clearance he's doing an abbott and costello bit with this vi (laughs) it's extremely funny it's really funny and then at some point the vi um the krogan doesn't realize that shepherd and friends are here until the vi tells the krogan can you please stand aside there you know there's a queue forming for use of this terminal (laughs) it's really funny it's a good bit um so then he turns around you fight him um and then because you have lisbeth's key card you can actually access the encrypted files as lisbeth yeah the thing thinks that you're lisbeth not a very smart vi um so that that is when the vi tells you the thorian is under zoo's hope and it can infect and control organisms, including humans, using spores, which is just such, again, such a cool it's concept. Stuff. Yeah. And it, it's basically like this big, almost like like a fungi, I think, the way that it um, it doesn't have like a centralized like nervous system. It's just like bundles of 
of nerves and like, yeah. you know, it can extend itself out for like miles using its like tendrils. Right. And the way that it controls organisms is that they experience intense pain if its directives are ignored, which basically conditions them against trying to resist. Right. Um, and it's as far as exogeny, as far as their research could tell, uses these little minions as like tools basically to to do its bidding yeah and <laughs> then he's sort of uh the vi goes off on like the zoo's hope control control group has yielded mm. interesting results before sensors yeah. went offline almost 85 percent of all test subjects were infected and that's the point that shepherd realizes oh they were using the colonists as test subjects like yeah completely unbeknownst to them so uh that's when you try to warn joker because joker's still docked you know he has the normandy docked over uh at zeus hope but you can't get any messages out because of this geth energy field mm -hmm. um so we're like we got to get back there so let's take these geth out you also get a, a tidbit where if you ask uh the vi about lisbeth's like personal files yeah it reveals that she has been sanctioned by the company for trying to push back against the use of the zeus hope colonists as test subjects yeah so lisbeth is nice <laughs> a good person <laughs> she's a good person so yeah you you go you try to take out the geth essentially there's some fights and <laughs> eventually you figure out how to kind of detach the geth ship from from the building so that it can't sort of power these energy shields anymore yeah which is an interesting <laughs> bit because it's like these these ships have like eight legs or whatever on them and all you have to do is cut off one and they're like oh and the whole <laughs> ship falls off the side of the building which seems like poor design but that's mm. fine <laughs> yeah and the way that you cut that leg off is yeah. um you basically there are these like malfunctioning like shuttle bay doors that you know if if the like pressure isn't exactly right or if it's right. like if it gets too high or something um they will just like slam shut yeah. um so it's basically another like a puzzle <laughs> god it <laughs> to, was so i i i don't even know if puzzle is the right word yeah it's basically just math <laughs> right it's it's math and it's just like kind of annoying yeah it's like you have to get it within like between like 31 to 34 psi yeah and there's all these different like levers or whatever that have yeah. different psi associated with them you it's just like, have to figure out how to make a number that adds up to between 31 and 34 yeah it just it, it felt so weird it's like why wasn't this just like one of the hacking prompts where i just hit yeah. a couple of buttons like i don't understand but whatever that's fine i guess sometimes it feels like this this happened with like skyrim and stuff too where you mm. had those like weird like match puzzles and stuff and it's like mm these like big action adventure games, you don't need to have a puzzle like right. <laughs> puzzles unless they're very unless they're like good puzzles right puzzles are never that satisfying i find no. in games like this and i wish they just didn't do it yeah well especially like this is like the only real instance of like a puzzle like this in the game it's like well you mm -hmm. can't it's one thing to have a like series of puzzles that get like slight like more difficult as time goes on but for it to be this like one time thing that they're like okay we can't make it too hard because people need to be able to solve it but mm -hmm. also we want it to be interesting reasons. or whatever yeah. right it's like we want it to be interesting it's like well that's not <laughs> 
fun or good like mm-hmm. uh, it, I, I don't know anything about game design granted but i feel like the 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 better way to do that is to like have several puzzles that as you play through the game organically you know get slightly harder every single time so that way when you get to like the real hard one that actually does something like detach the geth ship you're like oh i can't believe like i've been training for this or whatever mm-hmm. um and there's some sort of a, a sense of accomplishment and not just like okay i guessed the math right yeah because <laughs> i wasn't writing those numbers down i was just hitting them and whatever you know it was like a little bit <laughs> here and then this is a big number and then like another like slightly smaller number and that was right you know anyway <laughs> so the ship falls off uh and then you're able to tell ship falls off yeah and then you're able to contact joker uh and <laughs> you basically just like stay safe and he's like uh okay <laughs> um it, it felt <laughs> like such a like we were trying so hard to get a hold of joker and then the message we gave was just like don't let anybody in he's like people are slamming on the on the doors of the the ship you're like okay well just don't <laughs> just like wait uh, hold, hold on yeah it just <laughs> we'll like, was like okay why did we need to communicate yeah. so badly but all right <laughs> um, yeah before you before you leave lisbeth when you sort of confront her about like so uh this was fucked up um yeah. she's like yeah i know i was trying to the reason why i got stuck here is i was trying to alert colonial affairs which is like i think like government sort of you know part of the alliance of what was going on so that they could come <laughs> get us, essentially. Mm. Like, she was basically trying to, like, whistleblow, but the power got cut before she could, and she just got stuck in there. Yeah. So uh, finishing that puzzle also unlocks some beam doors that you couldn't get through before, and mm-hmm. you are able to make your way down, uh, or no, sorry, make your way back to the, I almost said bus, to the the <laughs> truck thing and drive back. As you're you're heading back, you pass by that same little like bunker where the other Exogeny employees were like hunkered down. Um, mm. And Elizabeth's like, "Stop the car!" You know, she like hears her mom on the yeah. um, the comms. And if you follow her in there, Ethan Jong is freaking out because he was sure that the Geth were just going to kill Shepard. But now that did not happen. And now like the jig is up. Shepard knows about. Uh, what's going on with the Thorian. And, you know, he had contacted Exogeny to be like, you know, like, here's what's going on, basically. And Exogeny wanted to purge the colony to protect the Thorian. Right. Um, and basically, uh, he he's like about to draw his gun on you and you kill him. Um, which I didn't feel bad about at all, if I'm being perfectly honest. So then Juliana, uh, you know, you're like, I got to go take care of that. And, um, you know, Juliana wanting you to, you know, avoid killing the colonists Mm -hmm. suggests that you use sort of a nerve agent to subdue them and gives you these gas grenades to neutralize them without killing them. Yeah. You know, the implication is that you can complete this mission by killing the colonists or you can try to spare as many of them as possible by, be, mm-hmm. you know, using like non-lethal methods. Yeah. Um, and side note, I did. Uh, so I did. I did do non-lethal methods, to, to be clear. And then I forgot <laughs> to unequip that uh, oh, upgrade yeah. for the next the next planet. I was like, fuck. Um, yeah. Uh, I just had a I, I just had kind of a brain blast as you were talking of like. <laughs> exogeny is doing the same thing to like people like ethan jong that the thorian is doing to the colonists of like forcing them into kind of like you know it's not physical pain but it is you know economic pain or whatever kind of pain that a a company can inflict on its employees so you don't have to be some sort of like you don't have to be some sort of like unknowable like weird fungus thing to to Mm -hmm. be 
you know, sucking the life out of a person. Turning people into mindless worker drones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, I love that. Yeah. I kind of wish that was further expounded upon, but I do think it's a really Mm. interesting parallel. Um, Yeah. So you take the non-lethal gas, um, Lisbeth and and Juliana reunited. Congratulations. Good job. And then when we make it back to the gate to Zoo's Hope, there's a little zombie guy outside who you summarily kill. Uh, And then we're like, okay, well, there's going to be some. And this is kind of confused me because we kill that guy. And then Shepard's like, you know, don't kill any colonists. We got to make sure that we're we're doing this thing, whatever. And then you go in and you see a bunch of the zombie guys. I was like, okay, these must be the colonists. (laughs) So I start. I, I used a couple of the grenades on them and then I saw there were like actual real people mm-hmm. shooting at us. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just wasted half of my grenades on these dudes. And the grenades do take them out, take the zombies out in one hit, which is nice. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is confusing that that absolutely confused me on my first playthrough where I yeah. thought like, oh, these are the colonists that I'm not supposed to kill. No, you're right. supposed to kill them. They're called Thorian creepers is the zombies. Right. And the actual colonists who have like names or they just like right. say colonists or whatever um, are the ones you're supposed to spare. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's really confusing. So unfortunately, I I, I did run out of grenades at one point. <laughs> so I had to Ugh. kill a couple. I had to kill a couple. You can melee them to just knock them out. But yeah, I guess I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Well, I think I don't know. Melee every other time. Like if you melee someone, you can kill them. You can. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, there's no reason for me to have assumed that like this time it would be non-lethal. Nope. There is no there is absolutely no reason for you to assume that. I agree. Yeah. Um, sometimes this game really does show its 2007 roots, um, mm-hmm. such as as soon as I started this playthrough, I guess I had powered off my Xbox to like move it to a different room to, to stream. And I it, it didn't auto save after I had all those conversations that I had with everybody last week. So I had to have all of those conversations again. And I really tried to pick the exact same options. So it wasn't like whatever, like secret counters are in the background. I don't even know if those exist, um, that they all kind of stayed the same. So that was fun. So I then that was like, OK, well, we're back in 2007 mode. So let me save after I do every single mm-hmm. thing. So I went from having one save file to having like 26 by the end of my playthrough yesterday, because every time I did any thing i was like okay manually save um mm-hmm. and i can't even imagine like it, it happens fast on the this i'm playing on a series s so it happens fast because it's all solid state i can't even imagine how long it took on the actual xbox 360 to like manually save this stuff every single time mm-hmm. um so you know hey autosave great thing in video games and uh it's a bummer when it's not there mm-hmm but anyway, why did I even go there? Oh, I was OK. I was talking about it. It wasn't like clear on like what it was telling me to do. So, yeah, I had to kill a couple of the the colonists. But then I I, I picked up a different there was like a five pack of grenades like sitting out. So I picked that up and then. Yeah. Co- continued to take care of the rest of the colonists. Um, So I got like 22 Paragon and like eight Renegade points <laughs> because I had to kill a couple colonists. I, I definitely I lost one, I think, just like in the crossfire kind mm. of. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get caught know. up in the crossfire. Sorry, that's a stupid, <laughs> stupid joke for a fucking board game from the 90s. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, you, you take them out. Um, you realize they were keeping the Thorian hidden by positioning the freighter um, in front of like basically the staircase down right. into its lair, which is why that woman, Hana, was so nervous when you were talking to her because she was managing that. Got it. So uh, as you 
sort of like are about to go down there, Fidan shows up and he tells you the Thorian wants him to stop Shepard, but he's trying to resist and he's in a lot of physical pain yeah, and he's like, yeah. I, I won't do it. Um, and instead he kills himself yeah. to stop himself from stopping you. Yeah, that's um, brutal. That it is. Wild. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that it's like, it's not actual mind control. It's just like, it wants you to do a thing. And if you don't do it, you're just going to be in a lot of pain, which I just think is really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, that's not like taking over. Everything. Yeah. It's, just- it's like conditioning is the way that they described it. And I, I thought it was interesting too. Um, I forget who it is. Maybe it's the Thori in itself that explains mm. it uh, shortly, but the idea is like, otherwise they are just like pantomiming a regular existence yeah. until the Thorian is like, okay, do this thing, which is why they're all just sort of like hanging out when you get there. Um, and you know, they're trying to defend Zeus hope uh, and are convinced it's their home. Mm-hmm. But at the same time are also dealing with things like, well, we don't have food. We don't have power. We don't have yeah. water. Um, it's yeah. interesting. It also just makes that, the, the, the woman in the, in front of the freighter, I forgot her name. Hana. Hana. Uh, it makes her her reactions so much more interesting because it's like it's like a fear reaction of like, oh, if I say something, I'm, I'm going to be in a lot of pain. Not like a, I'm being like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, just, mm-hmm. I just think it's so it's it's just so interesting. That whole that whole thing. So anyway, uh, fight and kills himself. You make your way below Zeus Hope and then you find the Thorian uh, who just I said it last night in our in our in our messages, Kim, and I wrote it in my notes. Why does it look like a testicle? It just looks like a testicle. <laughs> It's a gross looking thing. It's got like a, like an octopus for a face. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, we are using an Asari as a mouthpiece uh, as it like throws yeah. up this uh, Asari clone and is like, hey, what's up? Go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love she. First of all, uh, the Thorian refers to itself as the old growth, which is cool. Yes. And <laughs> when this Asari clone is like introducing you to it, she says it commands that you be in awe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <Which is> so <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> yeah. It's like giving a personality to this like ancient fungus beast. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, very funny. Yeah. And then uh, you basically you are like disagree with it or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm going to kill you or mm-hmm. whatever. And it attacks. And then you have to go through this whole thing that I had to do three times. Oh, because no. Once it starts, you cannot save. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so I made it to the end twice and got killed. So I had to do the entire thing over again, yeah. which is annoying and very 2007. Um, yeah. You basically get like waves of Thorian creepers and with each wave, it spits out another Asari clone and the Asari clone is like very powerful. <laughs> yeah. It's got some wild, um, I guess, I guess they're biotics um, mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just like, it, it wasn't even that like I was like outgunned or something. There was just like so many explosions happening all at once because like going on. Tally was throwing grenades and Garrus is shooting his shit. And there's this like biotic wave coming at me from the fucking Asari. And then all of a sudden I was dead. I was like, okay, I don't know what just mm-hmm. happened, but fine. Creepers are running around puking in your face. That's oh what God. they do. That's how they attack you. They get in your face and they start puking at you. Yeah. It's fun. It's cute. It's, it's really gross. cute. Um, I did think it was really cool though. Um, how like, I don't know if you noticed this, because I'm sure that you didn't have to do this three times. There are some creepers that are like in their ball state and you can't hurt them when they're like curled mm-hmm. up into a ball and you have to like walk past them mm-hmm. and then and then start like shooting the tendril or whatever. And then they will wake up. 
Yeah. Um, so it's like you're walking into this knowing that you're about to be ambushed, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which I thought was very menacing and and very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, not so much after the third time, but then I, <laughs> I finished it and we were good. And so basically you like shoot these tendrils that it's using to hold itself up and it just kind of falls into the planet more or less like right um and we don't really know if it's dead i'm assuming it's not honestly i'm assuming it's just like in the planet now and then there were these like weird like like, i don't even know what to call them just like growths kind of throughout uh and one of them explodes and the asari is in it and her name is uh shiala um mm-hmm. and then you have a conversation with her. She says she was with Matriarch Benezia when she joined Saren, and so obviously she just followed. Um she says that Benezia thought that she would be able to kind of push Saren down a gentler path, um but that his influence was too great um and kind of like re-explains the sovereign, which you know makes sense because maybe you didn't do the other mission where the sovereign's brought up. <laughs> and they say they came to this planet cuz Saren was looking for the cipher. And the Thorian is extremely old and knows a lot of stuff um, mm-hmm. and got the information about the Prothean cipher by basically trading Shiala for the information, um, mm-hmm. which I don't really know what the Thorian gained from that <laughs> exchange. So it sounds like the Thorian, the, so the reason, part of the reason why the Thorian has this knowledge um, from the Protheans is because when they died, it like absorbed their bodies and therefore absorbed oh, their genetic memory. Okay. So okay, I okay, think okay, okay. it gains like, uh, you know, it gains like the memories of the Asari or, you know, like it Got gained it. her power and strength um, and obviously the ability to make clones of her apparently. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That tracks because the Asari kind of do a similar thing where they like pass down this genetic memory and stuff from. Right. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, cool. Um, and so then Shiala basically tells you like by being a part of the Thorian, I was also able to like get the cipher. I don't know what the proper like word for that word there yeah. is, but, um, she has the cipher and is like, I'll give it to you if you want it. <laughs> um, and, and basically, uh, you, you, she comes up to you and tells you to open your mind to eternity. Is that what it is? It's, uh, it's like open your mind to the universe, embrace eternity, embrace eternity. Um, <laughs> yeah which is the thing i said to you uh at the end of our episode. you did say it uh that's good that's very good <laughs> so then it's just like another like this the, kind of this a similar cutscene that we got with the the prothean um thing beacon in the beacon thank you uh where it's just like a bunch of flashes of stuff and then another kind of kind of thorian looking thing at the end um but I'm not really sure what that was. And then Shepard's like, wow, I don't even know how to describe that. And I was like, there are plenty of things that I could describe in there. There's like a planet <laughs> and like battles, but that's yeah. fine. Um, it's so funny that they'll like show you these things that are like very objectively like, here is what this thing is. And then they're like, I can't even think of how to explain it. It's like, well, mm-hmm. it's right there. Um, but it's fine. I get it. Um, so, so yeah, we, we get that. And then, um, we have the option. I, I guess we have the option to kill Shiala. I didn't. I t- told her to go and help the colonists rebuild and stuff because and she was like, yeah, I'll do that because this is partly my fault and blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. So cool. Oh, and the reason the Geth, I, I, I guess we kind of talked around it, but the reason that the Geth were coming down was to kill the Thorian so that nobody else could get the cipher. Right. So that Saren would be the only one that had it, mm-hmm. um, which didn't work. So, yeah, then um, you go back up planet side, I guess. And um, they're all up there rebuilding. Shial is there. 
<laughs> she's gonna help uh and then and then you leave yep uh, yeah uh mm, and then we get it. our we get our uh debrief scene mm-hmm. where Liara, you know liara asks if i'm feeling okay and then it's like could we link consciousness mm-hmm. consciousnesses is because i know a lot about prothean stuff so maybe i can help you make sense of this and then you do it and she once again tells you to embrace eternity um <laughs> and then it's like the same cut scene but they they like cut the the length in half and then she basically tells you like whoa that's wild i can't believe this this is this is wild but you didn't get all of the information it seems like so saren must have gotten i wrote in my notes saren must have got a separate upload <laughs> um because i don't know what else <laughs> to call it really as it is it's just like kind of a, a, a data like download and upload and then as she's telling you that she gets like lightheaded and you end the debrief. And then Joker, like every debrief, is like, hey, you want to talk to the council? I said, yes. <laughs> They're fucking like, oh, man, we could have used this for studies. It was like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. not. And then they they kind of plant the seed of like, oh, there's going to be a sacrifice you're going to have to make at some point in your career, and you should get used to it now. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, cool. And so that's that. Uh, and that's that's Pharaoh's. That's Pharaoh's. Basically. Cool mission. I mean, I, yeah. the, the the actual subject matter of the mission, or sorry, the actual like gameplay stuff in the mission was like fine. It was just like shooting mm-hmm. and stuff. But I, I really like I, the, the writing of this game is just really good. I, I think it's all just really good. The story is good. The world building is good. The, the history is good. I think I would probably rate this one above the Liara mission, but below Novaria. Mm-hmm. I just like the, the agree. Novaria as a planet is so... Mwah, chef's kiss it's, it's so, so cool. good yeah it's so we were talking about this a little bit but it's so weird to me that like novaria you have all these really interesting side missions that like the corporate espionage and like building out the world and whatever and then you get to pharos and it's just like can you go to this place and kill some Varen? because there <laughs> there's some bad Varen here <laughs> like, okay um <laughs> you know part of me wonders if it was like oh we're gonna have some more just like combat focused side missions on pharos and novaria is gonna be more like like role play yeah type side missions um or if they were just like written by different parts of the, you know, like by different people yeah. who sort of saw them differently. I don't know. But yeah, I certainly enjoy the the Novaria style side missions more. So it, it just ends up, I think, being like a richer, more interesting place. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, in terms of like the story stuff going on, Pharos is very cool. Yeah, really um, good. Yeah, I th- I think it's I think you're right in saying that like they were trying to do like combat stuff on Pharos and then like role play you know the the talking part of the game in mm-hmm. in Novaria and I think part of that is just by virtue of like the technology being limited and their time being limited as well and like all of this mm-hmm. you know they're doing this in 2007 and it's like all very kind of new to the whole space of gaming you know right so they wanted to obviously try it and you know obviously the the conversation stuff is a huge part of the game anyway but like to have a whole planet devoted to that like i think it's just them kind of trying to be like what is like how far can we take this and like what is the stuff that we can you like do in this system and it still remains fun and it's not just like talking to people mm-hmm. um and i think novaria is a, is a great like flex of that method of of storytelling and, and gameplay and stuff uh and then ferris is just like you know it's a it's a shooty game <laughs> it's a shooty mm-hmm. game again um <laughs> which is you know it, it's it's a safe bet if the novaria stuff didn't work out they're like well at least we know that we have kind of like a, a you know mm-hmm. solid big 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 quotes um <laughs> a solid uh you know gunplay and stuff um which i'm sure they did for the time uh so yeah uh ferris good planet 
not, not as good as Novaria, but uh, a yeah. great story. And I'm excited to go to Vermeer. Vermeer is great. Vermeer yeah. combines both of those aspects of Ooh, hell yeah. role play and decision making and uh, combat to, I think, very good effect. It's absolutely a highlight of this game um, nice. and the trilogy as a whole, I'd say. Amazing. So also this week, mm-hmm. uh, I've done Garrus and Rex's side missions. As have I. I mean, I think we could we could slam these out in T minus two seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is about as long as it takes to actually do them. Yeah, I was blown away by the like like lack of substance in these missions mm-hmm. for like how much setup there was in like, you know, Garrus tells you this entire story. Rex tells you this whole story. Um, and then essentially like Garrus's mission is you show up to a place, shoot some guys and then it's over pretty much. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, th- just to recap, it's like this doctor who was doing the illegal organ harvesting, yes. you show up and the guys that you have to shoot are like his new, like, test subjects yeah. which are just the thorian creepers repurposed yeah. yes and i i wanted to say this before i forgot i love the way that these fools run around they like <laughs> have their hands up like yeah, in like a like, t-rex pose and they're like yeah. up by their shoulders and they like hop around it's so funny they also like talk about weird ai they like run around in circles they're yeah. so confused these fools yeah. i almost feel bad for them <laughs> um so yeah you shoot a bunch of them and then you you uh, confront Salion and Garrus is like, that's the guy. And then you've, and he's like, no, it's not me. Um, when it clearly is. And you just like have the option of killing him here and now, which is kind of what Garrus wants to do. Cause that's his whole thing. He's like, I don't want to let them get away. All the bad guys, or you can like spare him and take him in for questioning. What did you mm. end up doing? I killed him. I also killed him. Yeah. I, but, to me, the, the sparing him option read as like, oh, we'll just let him go uh, to me. I didn't think it was like, oh, we'll have him arrested. I thought it was like, we'll just. I, I think it's like you, <laughs> you're going to have him arrested. But the funny thing is, I know because I've played the game. Do you want to know what happens if you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Take the other option. You have to kill him anyway because he's like, <laughs> I'm not coming with you. <laughs> so it's the same way. Oh, OK. Well, but I'll tell you what, this does have um, not huge implications, but the choice that you make impacts. It, it has an effect that we can talk about when we play Mass Effect 2. <gasps> interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. I don't want to reveal too much. But. Yeah, that's fair. Very cool. So, yeah, I, I, I let Garrus kill him. I think there was an option where you could have shot him, but I let Garrus do it. I think it's just like, if I recall correctly, it's like, we should kill him. And then it just sort of like enters combat. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, I just started shooting at him. That was so, I didn't even get a chance to pull out my fucking gun. Like Garrus is it, on that shit. Yeah, it was like I was, like we got out of the cutscene and boom, it was instantly over. It was like Garrus oh, got wow. him in one shot. I was like, OK, dude, like Jesus. Aggressive. Yeah. Um, so I, that was very funny. Um, yeah. So that's, that's Garrus. I, I, I don't know. It was kind of, I was like, oh, okay, well this, this is it. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting. It was, it was neat to see a different symbol on the world map or the <laughs> galaxy map or whatever. Cause it's like, oh, there's a, there's a ship orbiting this planet. You should board this ship. I was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And then Gar or uh, Rex's is you're searching for his family heirloom armor that was passed down from like five wars or something and had been basically 
like taken as a trophy um, by some Turians. And this is just like a regular planet mission. You like go down to a planet. There's some stuff you can harvest and then you can go into a building that is on the planet and kill some guys. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you get the you get the stuff. Yeah, it's like you find it in a in a safe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it. Uh, that's it. <laughs> you open the safe and, and it closes up on Rex's face and he goes, that's it. And then that's like the whole mm-hmm. mission. It's like, OK, cool. Yeah. You know, I think Tali has one of these, too. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But I can't remember if it's like you. She has like a she wants to find something that has to do with the Geth to bring yeah. back from her pilgrimage. And I can't remember if it's like a separate mission or if it's just like something you pick up along the way kind of mm. if i had but to guess yeah. it happens after maybe not after vermeyer but after like saren's storyline ends or something because like i just had a i had one of the conversations i had with her was like yeah i want to do this but like we should take care of saren and stuff first and then mm-hmm. and then we can worry about my stuff yeah um, but. Yeah, she doesn't have like a, oh, I found the coordinates. Um, here right. they are. You can put them in the map and right. it'll guide you there. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I, I mean, we're touching on the the uh, like crew conversations. Mm-hmm. I had two rounds of these because I had them. Right. I think I missed. So so I think I missed you them missed, um, after like the first one. mission or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they refreshed after the uh, Garrus and Rex missions. So I'm all caught up now because <laughs> uh, okay. then because then I also I, I, th- I think at least. So actually, the order I play this and I did I did the Rex and Garrus stuff and then Pharaohs. So after the Rex mission, Rex just tells me why he became a mercenary. It's just like better to kill for credits than fight for a lost cause, i.e. Mm-hmm. the Krogan. Uh, that, that's pretty yeah, much that's it. about it. <laughs> um, Ashley, Ashley has a really interesting one, I think. I so here's the thing. Ashley as a person <laughs> is not great. But Ashley's like storyline, I think, is really, really interesting. Like, I think the the stuff about her family being like an old military family and stuff is just like cool t- to me, at least. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So she talks to you about uh, celebrating Armistice Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, oh, that seems kind of like a weird thing to celebrate. That only happened 26 years ago. Like, what do we what's the thing? She's like, oh, it's not really a celebration. It's more of an obligation. And then basically implies like i should know who her family is and like Mm -hmm. i I don't know who i don't know and says that she is general williams's granddaughter the only human to ever surrender to an alien race Mm -hmm. (laughs) um which is a rough title to hold i think yeah yeah (laughs) Um, and then just just like goes on about how like you know her her whole life has been like you have to her dad has told her like you have to be better than the best because you're starting off so much lower than everybody Mm -hmm. else because everybody has these preconceived notions of like what who like what a williams is Mm -hmm. um which is interesting and then you know you ask about her granddad and he was relieved of command demoted and then spent the rest of his life in construction and then we reveal that we do know the history i guess we just didn't know it was her grandfather yeah of like you know he held out for a really long time there were Turians like destroying whole blocks just to get to like one troop of, of soldiers. So, you know, he couldn't contact high command for whatever reason, you know, jammed comms or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was either like surrender or allow the Turians to keep like killing civilians. So right. He surrendered, which is it's interesting because like that's sort of like the Paragon thing to do is right. like, you know, I want to save civilians. And so I'm going to and it has turned Ashley into such like a renegade now mm. <laughs> um, where, you know, if you ask her about missions, she's always like, you should have picked the renegade option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she's always about getting the job done as like by any means necessary, you know, mm-hmm. and then she asks 
asks like, oh, are you going to kick me off the ship? And I'm like, no, why would I do that? And she's like, wow, you're the first CEO to hear that story and be okay with it. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what yeah, the fuck? Wild. Um, yeah, it, it, wild story. Uh, Garrus is worried that we're not going to find Saren. Says he like admires Shepard's confidence, but he's really not sure about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then says that he or he, he, he basically asks like, can I ask you something? And then asks if we're worried about the council protecting Saren uh, because they mm-hmm. were like they really were dragging their heels on like revoking his specter status until you brought like really hard evidence that he was working against the council and 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 asks like what if we bring him back to the citadel and they like refuse to act or like you know they they let him off or whatever and he asks these questions and shepherd's response is like this doesn't sound like a question garris what do you want to say <laughs> yeah like what just get cut to the chase here man yeah like get to the point bud uh yeah. and he's basically is just like when we find saren we should stop him permanently Mm-hmm. And then I chose the like down the middle option of like, it'll depend on the situation. Sorry, because yeah. that's I don't know. That's kind of how I feel. I think we're going to probably end up killing him. But part of me feels we'll like see. if there's an, yeah, if there's an option where he's like, maybe I surrender, maybe I'll take him in, but maybe probably not. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, there's um, I also chose that middling option, yeah. which just like high level. So, you know, going into this, I wanted to have like a different experience than I normally would, which normally, you know, I go like straight Paragon or straight Renegade. Yeah. And part of the reason for that, I think, is because going into my first playthrough of Mass Effect, I didn't know enough to know that, like, you want to get your Paragon or Renegade points as high as possible to, like, you know, to get certain outcomes. Mm. And so this is really the first playthrough where I am allowing myself to be comfortable not min maxing my shepherd. Interesting. And so he right now my shepherd probably has like half of the paragon thing filled out and a quarter of the renegade thing yeah. filled out because I I really am just going in kind of top line because I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> um but I'm not letting that impact my decisions and sort of playing this this shepherd as you know, when it comes to like protecting innocent lives or things like that, like that is very important to him, but he is happy to basically fuck over authority mm. um, is sort of where where I'm at with him. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the potential outcomes as we're we're getting towards the end. Interesting. Yeah, because I don't know. There's um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> OK. <sighs> yeah, but I I went into this like, God, should I like rant you know like i i was like should i incorporate like dice rolls somehow to like randomize my <laughs> options to prevent myself from you know always just picking the same thing and yeah. uh you know what i've ended up doing is just sort of like putting up blinders and mm. uh as a result i think i am going to have a different experience so um yeah i'm excited yeah. for this one that's got me thinking now i just generally like m- the mod scene um, not for Mass Effect specifically, but just like in video games on PCs, like the mod mm-hmm. scene is like pretty popping at all times. So I, I have to imagine there's some sort of like mod for for at least the first game that's like it randomizes your decisions at all times, which could be fun. Like it doesn't even give you the option to choose. I think it would just like choose for you. That has to yeah. exist, right? I, part of me feels like that has to exist, but that that seems pretty it, like, it, like it could be neat, but it wouldn't create like a consistent character. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Inconsistent. Yeah. That that I think is the interesting thing is like figuring out a shepherd who like has certain values and, and yeah. implements them. Like I yeah. know um, shout out to my friend Aaron, who recently did another playthrough of the trilogy where they nice. 
their shepherd was mostly kind of a renegade, but um, had a soft spot for colonists in general. Um, I assume that they had like the, the colonist background. Uh, colonist background. Yeah. Very fun. Um, yeah. So like they they would always do everything they could to like spare and care for colonists, wow. but otherwise were, were a pretty renegade character. And so I like I'm interested in like and I I feel like now I've kind of like settled on on what I'm doing with Jin in those those bounds. Um, I always forget. I yeah, always forget Jin, he's Jin. It's Jin Shepherd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I didn't go into it thinking about it this way. I was like, oh, he's he's going to start up Paragon and turn more Renegade. Mm. And it's that's it's sort of going that way, but it's manifesting as like a specific like okay with authority he is like he's so fucking he's getting disillusioned with the mm. council with even the alliance but you know still cares about helping people right and i think it's an interesting way to play the game and i i would love to like endorse this kind of way of playing the game especially for people like me who maybe have been like okay i did a paragon run i did a renegade run it it's very fun to at first it doesn't seem like it's very easy to like role play this game because mm. You kind of only have two options, but there there are ways like that to to kind of add a little bit more variety to what you're picking. And yeah, it's very fun. And I highly recommend uh, thinking about it because it makes it very interesting. Yeah, I um, love that. Yeah. And makes it unexpected. I don't know if I'm going to have high enough Paragon Renegade points to have certain things happen. uh, Man, I didn't didn't even know that was a thing that I had to worry about. I thought that was just like some sort of like, you know, you get more charm options if you have Paragon, you get more intimidation options if you have Renegade. But I didn't think. Well, that's 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 what it is. Um, But like those those options can have Ah. have significant impacts on certain outcomes. Not to I hope I'm not going to impact your you know no i I, going mm, forward no no i guess not i think (laughs) i am probably around i i think i'm probably like halfway paragon and then like a little less than a quarter renegade Mm -hmm. um like the the not killing the colonists really gave it a boost yeah interesting which doesn't seem like a renegade thing to do is to kill the colonists but like i don't know it's it's kind of kind of is but kind of isn't but like if civilian death is avoidable i think that's like uh, just a thing you should avoid like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a, the renegade option is to be like well you know civilian like there are civilian casualties it happens but like if it, if there's an option to avoid it you should avoid it and you could still be renegade but avoiding yeah. casualties but whatever yeah i mean i think part of it is um and i think this is something that becomes more nuanced in in later games but you don't mm. always know the outcome of certain decisions mm. uh you don't necessarily know if by sparing the colonists, something else bad is going to happen. Yeah, fair. And that is that's kind of a, a a repeated thing that again I think is they put a finer point on it um, as the writing gets more nuanced in later games. But yeah. um, that's the thing. Like there are there are consequences that start to ripple out to the point that you might look back and say, "Damn, I kind of wish that I had taken the renegade option because I've made something yeah. more complicated for myself down the road." Yeah, it's very well done. Yeah. Hmm. Damn, I will cop to I have looked up a couple of things of like, how will this affect the later games? I haven't mm-hmm. changed my decision based on that stuff. Mm-hmm. I promise. But I, I I, do just like it's and it's just so interesting because like it's like such little things that are like, oh, this will happen in the third game. Mm hmm. And, and like if you do this, then it'll just like be someone else or something, which it's just like blows my mind. I'm like, how? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we thinking? It's just so interesting. It makes me curious of like how much of that was like backpedaled of like, okay, well, you made this choice and we know it'll have an effect. And then when you get to the third game, it's like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. That kind of lines up with this choice that they made. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just so interesting. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I'm not super familiar with with kind of the development history, but from what mm-hmm. I do know, the three was like they did not know where the story was going, mm. you know, um, they I it's very possible that some of these narrative threads, they had an idea of where they would go. Um, so I don't want to, you know, say that that's not the case. But in yeah. terms of the overall story, they did not know when they were making Mass Effect one where where exactly it was going to go. Um, they had ideas, though. Um, sure. So I, I'm sure it's sort of a combination of the two. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, really how it all shakes out is is fascinating yeah but like you're still going through the same story yeah um which i i think is good it's not like you're like cutting off entire narrative lines but yeah it's like when when you get to a certain point there are certain options that may or may not be available based on things that you did earlier and i just it's so cool it's very cool Yeah. yeah So anyway, back to the crew. Anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it was on good. that tangent because we talked to Garrus. Yeah, I think that was great, though. I, I think Garrus is like one of those the, the characters that you talk to. I feel like he's like every single time you talk to him, he's like, here is what it looks like when a person is like renegade. <laughs> like here is <laughs> here is what a good person but a renegade looks like. Yeah. So every time you talk to him, I think it's just like really interesting. Yeah, I love Garrus. As yeah, we all know he's great. Caden. Um, Caden. <laughs> yeah, really some really interesting stuff with Caden. Yeah. He talks about like everyone, every, every race in the galaxy is so wrapped up in their race's problems that they don't, he says they don't want to see what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then Shepard says, that sounds like human nature. And he says, yeah, I guess like, I guess that's one of the things that carries across species, which is interesting. Uh, and then he goes on to tell you about how his kind of story with Vernus, uh, who is the Turian or so- soldier or whatever general, I think a mercenary mercenary who who trained yeah. him at brain camp. Yes. Yes. But he he says like, you know, Vernus and I never made up or whatever, but it made me realize that aliens are just like humans. Like we've only all kind of like humans have only known about, you know, alien life or whatever for uh, however many years, um, like only a couple, a few decades or whatever, and like not mm-hmm. that long. And so we've always seen them as these like, you know, greater beings or whatever, they have some sort of like big, you know, some sort of grand purpose or something. But really, Vernus made him realize that aliens are just like humans. There are jerks and there are saints. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he says, by the, time, by the time I got payback, I didn't even want it. Mm-hmm. And basically tells you about this time that uh, he broke a girl's arm uh, because she picked up a glass of water without using her biotics. And Caden like st- stood up and it was the girl he had a crush on oh is that what it was mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> fucking god this fucking himbo Vernus pulled a gun <laughs> and Caden says <laughs> full biotic kick right in the teeth uh and you're like wow i bet he didn't recover i bet that took a while for him to recover <laughs> and he's like no i killed him like he died mm-hmm. right there and, and you can tell he's he's ashamed of it yeah. the way that he delivers a line i i but Caden is so underrated. I, I went on a Kaden. rant about this in the Discord. Yeah. Uh, like, he's so well written. I think this story is so interesting. He's really well acted. I Like, I just, everybody's sleeping on Caden, I feel like. Uh, he's, he's a great character. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> he is. He's great. He's he's amazing. I love him so much. Um, yeah. And he basically says, like, if people have got had gotten to the uh, like contacted the, the medical wing or whatever sooner, he might have survived. Um, mm-hmm. But they kind of took their time on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And then he ends that uh, that whole story with if one ass was enough to judge a whole race, I'd hate humans, too. Yeah. Um, which is great. That's great. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, worth noting, because of this incident, like brain camp was shut down. Yeah. <laughs> they like they like pulled the plug on this entire thing because Caden killed a guy. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I also great. liked um, this is the the thing that like pushed me over the edge into my rant uh, on sure. Discord. But um, when you ask him what he thinks about uh, what happened on Pharos, he's like, oh, mm-hmm. the Thorian, yuck. And then he just sort of as an aside, is like one of my cousins has like an agriculture yeah. business. I wonder if he could like, you know, now they're like cut off from the company. I wonder if he could like get, get some shipments out there. Just so nice. Very he's like, sweet. damn, I really want to help these colonists now that fucking Exogeny no longer cares about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sweet little lad. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, hopping back to uh, before Pharaoh's um, after Rex's mission, Liara's conversation, because um, we haven't done the whole mind melding thing yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I asked her to <laughs> I said, tell me more about yourself. Uh, I believe you were talking about the Protheans. And Liara says, actually, I was talking about you. Um, when we first met, I found it hard to take humanity seriously. Um, I felt like they were your race is always rushing and is always like really high strung. Uh, and you ask, oh, have your opinions changed? She says, yeah, you and your crew uh, have made me realize that you're not rushing. You're like you're a species of action, she says. Mm-hmm. You pursue goals with indomitable determination, which is both admirable and intimidating. <laughs> to which I responded, well, you can't argue with results. <laughs> um, and then says the consequences of that is of of humanity being so like, I don't know, <laughs> goal oriented or whatever, uh, is that the rest of the galaxy sees humanity as a bill uh, as a bully um, mm-hmm. because like we've only been a part of the the I don't know, the group, the, the council. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Citadel space, I guess. For, for like a short time. And everybody sees like humanity trying to do what, quote unquote, do what humanity does, I guess, as mm-hmm. like a threat and as like a you're trying to be better than them or whatever. Um, but it's up to us as the, the crew of the Normandy to, to change their minds. I say I'm doing my, Shepard says, uh, sorry, Gortney <laughs> says that she's Gortney. doing her best. I can't, I just have to remind everybody that the Gortney Shepard is my, my, uh, Shepard's name. She says, there's a reason you respect her. her. The council chose you for a reason. And then, and then they, the, she brought up the, the blitz from, from my backstory, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was very cool, uh, mm-hmm. which is a thing that I don't think has happened up to this point in the game. Uh, maybe it has and I just missed it. Um, but she brings up like the, the my war hero backstory of like, like mm-hmm. you were so strong at at the the blitz and stuff. And, it's, you know, you're such an interesting, great person. Uh, and she says, there's something compelling about you, Shepard. I say me or the beacon. She says, well, initially, yeah, it was the, the beacon, um, but it's grown beyond that. Uh, I wanted to pursue. <laughs> I wanted to pursue it, but I thought there was something between you and Caden. <laughs> I'm like, no, Caden and I are just friends. She says, oh, OK, that's my mistake. Uh, and then asks, like, is there a mutual attraction between us or am I just like making that up? And I say, there is something. Uh, mm. and she says, why do I feel so close to you? We have almost nothing in common. And I say, stop thinking like a scientist. Uh, not everything has to make you know scientific sense or whatever. Yeah. And then <laughs> she's just like, oh, my gosh, it's like so scary to think about it like that. I'm like, oh, don't tell me a little danger puts you off. 
Uh, and then she says, I need some time. And I said, take all the time you need. And I was, I was hoping I would be the one to be able to say like, Hey, we're in the middle of something right now. So maybe like mm-hmm. we can agree that there is like something, but maybe we can like put it off for later. But, um, no, Shepard just lays it on thick at all times. <laughs> um, and Liara's like, can yeah. we actually take a minute? I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, so Jin and Liara had a similar conversation, oh. but, um, she asked me about Ashley. Sure. And uh, I told her that uh, Ash is just a friend. And I also told her that I think of Liara as just a friend. There you go. So I think I have shut down the Liara romance. Okay. I'm not like exactly sure how the relationship stuff works in the game. Like if I'll have another chance to like confirm it or not. But I didn't want to like say no and like lock myself out of it. Yeah. You. So have you gotten like. Uh, we haven't talked about it doesn't seem like you've gotten like romantic dialogue with Caden yet right uh he thought we were dating last last time and I said no (laughs) oh okay if you said no you might be you might that might be like a definitive no to Caden right which is why I didn't want to say no outright to Liara right so you will not get the thing that happens which is that if you continue it with both of them at some point they confront you like (gasps) so listen like we just want to clear the air and those conversations are very interesting because you get a lot of you get a lot of characterization (sighs) um so i i don't think i've ever done it with caden and liara so i don't know Mm. exactly how that conversation goes down but if you i know if you do it with liara and ashley yeah they confront you and Ash is so aggressive. She's like, are you really want to like date this like alien? Yeah. And Liara's like, I'll just whatever you choose. Like, I don't, you know, like I just love the amount of characterization that goes into it where it's not just like, hey, we know you're dating both of us. Now you have to choose. It's <laughs> like you see each character's reaction to that. Yeah. And wow. obviously, you know, Ashley's like a little bit racist about it. And I yeah. think also it's just like, you know, I don't I don't take this kind of shit. Wow. And Liara's just like, I don't know. I just have I'm interested in you. Whatever you choose. I don't care. It's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I didn't want to have to go through that again uh because it's uncomfortable yeah um, wow yeah yeah. i don't think gortney's the one to 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 play games i don't think i don't she's not really Mm -hmm. someone to leave like she wouldn't leave caden on the hook yeah again i'm trying to do things that i wouldn't ordinarily do (laughs) right so i am (sighs) i'm hopping on the ashley williams train i'm not happy about it but (laughs) You're doing it for for the listeners, you know. Yeah. For the in the pursuit of science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I've already romanced the other two, so. Right. Right. It's only fair. Mhm. It's like upping your support with Hanneman, you know. Maybe <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> just um, to see what happens. Just to see what happens and hey, maybe you'll get maybe you'll get your your Hanneman Lysithia ending after all. Maybe. We'll I do. I have heard that like a lot of people really like where Ash's story goes, so mm. Okay, great. So that was all the uh, that was all my post Rex and Garrus mission dialogue. Mm-hmm. The post Pharaoh stuff. Caden says his thing about the agribusiness cousin. We ask how Liara is doing because we just did the whole mind meld thing. And she was surprised with Dr. Shakwas's uh, physiological knowledge of Asari. And then Liara starts talking about like, you know, you've been really understanding and patient uh, and I appreciate that we address the Asari rumors again of like, you know, 
them being promiscuous and stuff and says Mm -hmm. the the melding is more of like it's it's not even like a sex thing or like a physical thing really it's a spiritual exchange a true union that uh, transcends the physical universe uh, and says that it's sometimes can be truly life-changing and then Shepard's like, oh, okay, are you saying that, like, and starts to ask, like, oh, are you saying that you want to sleep together? And she's like, no, 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 I'm just trying to explain, like, why I've been reserved. It's like, it's it's about more than than just the sex part of it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's how the Asari grow as a society and, like, as a people. And so it's we have to mm-hmm. be very careful about who we choose as our partners and whatnot. I'm like, okay, yeah, absolutely, whatever. I want you to be absolutely sure. She says, I'm, o- I'm only 106, barely out of my, or barely an adult in, in a sorry culture so she's never really thought about uh melding with someone um until shepherd says you're very special but with everything that's happening i i don't know if this is like the appropriate time to really kind of be exploring this i'm like yeah for sure like once this is over you know we can we can figure out what this is she says i'm glad you understand there's too much at stake we must put aside our personal feelings for now so i'm I'm happy with that i think that's great nice uh i think that makes complete sense (laughs) yeah um yeah i don't i don't have any of that dialogue anymore sure um yeah because I shut her down. Yeah. Garrus is, uh, he just like thanks me for everything that I've taught him. Um, I, so I just said, you're welcome. That's, that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, another quick one is Ashley. Just, you know, I asked her like what she thought about the mission, obviously. Um, and she says she has to admire the colonials. Uh, it's like the worst place for a colony. <laughs> so it's admirable for, for those people to like want to stick around. Um, given the option, I would have left, she says. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Me mm-hmm. too. Uh, and then Rex talks more about his mercenary days. I ask like, oh, what's like your favorite, like the best adventure you've been on as a mercenary? And he's like, oh, well, one time I was hired by this Volus diplomat to erase his past, kill an old friend who turned out to be an Asari commando that Rex knew. And like they had met when they were contracted to kill the same Turian one time. Uh, and then (laughs) we say who got him? And he says, it was a tie. I got his head. She got the rest. I'm pretty sure we both got paid. Uh, it's very funny. And then, you know, he he had like contacted her and said like, hey, my you're my next target. So like, I'll let you choose the fighting location. And she chose this like base that is like all black market dealings and mercenaries and stuff so that mm-hmm. there would be no like, quote unquote, like innocent bystanders or anything. Like if anybody got killed, uh, it'd be because, like they would be people that deserved it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he, finally, he ends that thought with she was always a softie, um, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And then uh so basically then he just says he chased her around for two days. And by the third day, like the whole station was falling apart because they had like gone through every bit of the station shooting each other. Um, he said he, he had had to wind up like like killing or knocking out uh, people so that he could steal their guns because he ran mm-hmm. out of ammo. He says he lo- she locked herself in the med bay um, and she was cornered and then the ship started going critical. <laughs> so he had to he had to leave before he got a chance to actually finish the job. Uh, and then he says he's like was sitting and watching the the station and didn't see any sort of escape pod or anything fly out. So he assumed that uh, he got her, started making his way uh, back to the the Volus diplomat when he got a message from her that just said, better luck next time. So apparently she's alive. And then uh, Shepard asks about the diplomat and (laughs) Rex says, I told him the truth that she was alive and pissed and that he'd need me around to protect him. And I say, and he, he believed you. And he says, yep, I was his personal guard until he died. Easiest credits I ever made. <laughs> Very funny. 
and then finally, Tali. I didn't do Tali after Rex's mission because that was that was another thing that I messed up. I went to talk to her and then accidentally Im- immediately X'd out or, or like immediately said <laughs> goodbye. And then when I went to go back mm-hmm. into the conversation, it was just her regular conversation options. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I might still be a conversation behind with Tali. I don't know. I checked after Garrus's as well. And it was just like the regular like, oh, hey, how's it going? So after Pharos, she's like in a much better mood than she was last time when she was talking about how like it's so quiet and she misses the flotilla and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I'm glad that you seem like you're in a better mood. And she says, yeah, you know, I'm getting used to how quiet the ship is and starts talking about how she knows Saren is the priority, but wants to find something worthwhile to bring back to the flotilla. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, what are you what are you trying to bring back? She says, well, usually people bring back like derelict ships and we, you know, take them apart for parts. But a lot more is expected of me. Uh, and she explains that her father is the senior member of the Admiralty Board, um, mm-hmm. which is their like governing body, I guess. So her dad's the president. Quarian <laughs> government info yeah. dump. Hooray! There's so much interesting stuff about like how the Quarians operate. Yeah that you get in Tali's dialogue yeah. in this game. And that is where we are at right now. And pretty much. <laughs> it's good. So yeah, uh, uh, he's responsible. She says he's responsible for the entire race, uh, the well-being of the entire race. And I am his only child. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a lot of pressure. And she's like, uh-huh. Um, and says that there's like a, a high value on like parentage and, and, uh, stuff so that she if she doesn't do something amazing then it reflects badly on her and her father Uh, i said what if we save the galaxy like that's more important than like any individual thing aquarium could do and she's like yeah but we are like extremely insular as a society Mm -hmm. so like outside events don't really matter because really our only goal is to drive out the geth and and make our way back across the veil so like even if we stop Saren, there's still millions of geth back on mm-hmm. our home world that still need to be taken care of. So until they're gone, you know, we're just kind of on the flotilla out in space. Uh, I said, what would you need? She says something to help us better understand the Geth. They've evolved since our exile. They're extremely reclusive and hard to study. And you, uh, I don't know. I actually, I, I, I don't think you bring it up, but like my first thought was like, Oh, well, we've seen so many Geth with like Saren. Mm-hmm. She's like, we need independent Geth right. that aren't under the influence of Saren or any kind of outside force um mm-hmm. like we to be able to actually study them properly and like understand how to take care of them we need to like get one that is just from beyond the veil or whatever right but then she says like but first i know we have to stop Saren, and then i'll worry about my stuff so you know don't worry about it mm-hmm. and then uh i asked about her mother and she says that her father's always been important and her mother kind of just like always blended into the background and that she died five years ago uh this is so sad and like Mm -hmm. also just feels like it's 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 such a like i guess common sense thing and like Mm -hmm. a small thing that could happen to affect these people it's just like such a good little bit of world building it's getting so good at um there was an airborne virus that made its way like through after like a uh, a fault in the filtration system or something and a bunch of people got sick and died and her mother was one of those says her father took it hard and that he threw himself even more into his work which he had already been like so deep down in Mm -hmm. um she says like they've never really like talked or anything and then she says like even when he was around he was just always so weighed down by responsibility and says like i guess the only thing i could say about my father is that i respect him yeah which is so fucking sad it's really Uh, sad yeah it's really great characterization it's really grounded yeah i it's just 
Mm, it's so good. It's so good that you're you're having this conversation with this character who's explaining like, here's how my exiled alien race, uh, you know, on a flotilla of ships <laughs> operates. And, yeah. And, you know, the fact that you're getting that and then it's like within there, here is this very grounded, uh, for lack of a better word, human story. Yeah about like a family and how they operate and like her relationship with her father. And yeah. it's just like, mm, I, like the, the juxtaposition of like the overarching lore with these extremely relatable and touching, like personal stories. Mm -hmm. It is just, it's what makes mass effect so fucking good. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, Tali, especially throughout the trilogy, is is like one of the best examples of it. It just it makes you so it gets you so invested. Yeah. And the connections between, you know, this is how the Korean government works. And that's why my dad and I have a complicated yeah. relationship. <laughs> right. Like it just it sucks you in. Yeah. And makes you so invested in all of it. Yeah. Um, it and especially <clears throat> like, especially it. with the Corian, it's like they are the ones that created the Geth and we've already gotten all that Geth mm -hmm. stuff and they live on these ships because they've been exiled by the Geth. Great. Mm -hmm. We could have stopped it there. Like we don't need to know yep. anymore. That is already so interesting and has like so much in it. Mm -hmm. And they just like keep getting more and more yeah, like, smaller. They were like, like focused and focused and focused. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's let's think about like, OK, what does that mean for a race to be exiled and to live in this way where, you know, they're fractured into these different ships? How how does their government work? How, you know, how are decisions made on yeah. behalf of the? it's just. Oh, well, obviously, it's a board mm, of admirals, which has like yeah. a head. Yeah. And the fact that <sighs> like Quarians, like, you know, their coming of age now is going to a different ship is mm -hmm. like, OK, I'm leaving my the ship that I grew up in and going to this one and contributing to it through the pilgrimage. And yeah. Like they they didn't have to go this hard, but they sure did. Yeah, and yeah. you know it, it's so interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the Bring Down the Sky DLC at some point, and possibly in this episode we haven't <laughs> decided yet. Um, but it's just interesting to me. There are some alien races that I feel like they did not give this level of thought to, which mm. I understand. You know, again, there are constraints. Um, some of them are so flattened and and it's kind of a bummer mm -hmm. um, or there's just sort of like lip service paid to the idea that like this is a diverse race of people. But it just so happens in this story, Albatarians are like terrorists. Um, <laughs> not great. But at the end of the day, it's like when they're trying to give you that richness, they really fucking nail it. Yeah. Like, oh, beautiful. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's all all of my ship scenes um yeah does that sound right am i am i missing anything yeah no there's nothing um that i have to add actually with rex you got, uh, got further than me Haha. cool great so um we just had a small moment off the podcast we are going to talk about bring down the sky in this episode um, yeah let's go for it and that'll be right after this quick break <laughs> I don't know. We've never called out a break before. I don't know why I felt like no, we had to do yeah, it this time. No. All right. Mass Effect, bring down the sky. Uh, this is DLC that they put in Legendary Edition. Right. Mm -hmm. um, was there, are there other DLC missions in this game? Because this is kind of before the times of. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. Um, 
that wasn't that was just a a quick cue. But my real question is: there a like onboarding to this mission, or is it just like there? I believe sometime early in the game, you get like a communication from Admiral Hackett about okay. it uh, that we probably just didn't clock. Yeah, because the uh, asteroid X fifty seven or whatever it is have has been on my map since I left the Citadel. So I just I couldn't mm-hmm. remember if there was like something that happened, and I'm I'm sure I just missed it. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, uh, you go to this asteroid. <laughs> And this scenario is so fucking wild for so many reasons. So basically, um, there's an asteroid that is like heading toward this planet called Terra Nova. It's got a a human like civilization on it, Um, like million, like four million people or something um, live on this planet. Yeah, it's pretty big colony. Yeah. (laughs) So they were bringing this asteroid to the planet to study Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, they were they were bringing it to its orbit. Yes, because it has a lot of like minerals on it. Okay, like they wanted to basically you know harvest it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were like, it will be much easier to do that. Like it's too far right now, <laughs> sure. but if we bring it into the orbit of this planet, it'll be easily accessible and easy to transport those things. You know, got it. Uh, back down to the surface. Wild conceit one is that. Yeah, that is wild conceit one. Um, wild conceit two, <laughs> the. the uh, bases on this asteroid have been uh, captured by you don't know who yet and have been like put on full blast just directly to to, to collide directly with the planet. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah. Wild. The, as, as you approach, it's like an ETA of four hours for this <laughs> yeah. thing to make make contact with uh, this this colony. And it's called Terra Nova. Yeah. Um, and just fucking obliterate it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucked. That's so sick. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. It rules. And I think like, granted, I haven't played the whole game yet, but I'm imagining like playing the entire game, hearing about this DLC, be like, okay, whatever, what is this about? And then you hear it's like about some asteroid. And you're like, why, how is this cooler than mm-hmm. anything that happened in the whole game? This is pretty fucking cool. It's rad. This is this is awesome. This is a great DLC it's, mission, I think. It's also visually stunning yeah. when you're on this asteroid. There's like little pieces of it that are like sort of breaking right. off and you can see the planet on the horizon. <laughs> it's right there. Like massive and it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it, like it's awe inspiring to look it at. It demands you be in awe. <laughs> Yeah, I also it does it does command that you be at all, and um, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no fucking idea if this is true, but it looks to me like the graphics in this mission are like better than Mass Effect One. Like it looks closer to the quality that we start getting in Mass Effect Two. I don't know what the timeline was. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm looking it up right now. When this was developed, but yeah, I it, it looks better than the rest of the game in a way that makes me feel like it was like, oh, you like you guys like Mass Effect? Look at what we're gonna do yeah. next, you know. Um, According to Google, Mass Effect uh-huh. dropped November 16th, 2007, and Bring Down the Sky came out March 11th. So it was only six months. Oh, OK. So okay. not even four months. Jesus. But but no, I do agree. Mm. There's something like like different or better about the the graph. And, and maybe it's just that there's like so much less happening here because it's not like a whole game. I don't know. I don't know anything about game design or like yeah. development or anything. So. But uh, like even the character models, mm. I don't you know, it could 
again, just be me imagining it, but they look more like the ones in Mass Effect 2. Sure. This looks great. Yeah. It, it looks great. It's, it's fun. Great. It's a super fun mission. Um, You basically are tasked with like going to each of the three like rocket bases or whatever and turning off the yeah. turning off the torches mm-hmm. to stop it from colliding and have it like safely assume its place in the orbit of the planet. Right. Um, which like there's a lot of science that goes into space travel and stuff. And I don't know if like if you turn the rockets off, it'll be fine. Like I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is sort of like an object in motion. Right. Sort of right. It's not like we reversed the the jets or anything. We just like turned them off. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking too hard about it. It's but like point. part of me feels like there is a point of no return. And like maybe we didn't pass that point of no return. But as soon as you turn the rockets mm-hmm. off and like it, it just goes right back into orbit. It, uh, I mean, I I don't know that we were like an well, not to spoil anything, but at the end of this mission, you're like an hour away yeah. from this thing making contact. Yeah. So I, you, you're raising some strong points. I don't know, but, but regardless. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's fun. Um. So yeah, we uh, we, we we do the stuff. Um. And throughout the whole time of us turning off these torches, we are contacted by uh, a woman named Kate. Uh, I didn't write down her last name. Bowman. Bowman, who is a scientist who has not been captured yet. Um, and he's basically mm-hmm. telling you, like, here's what you need to do. And like, here's here's how you do it. And then after you turn off the second one, uh, she gets captured. Uh, and we find out that the people doing or no, I guess after the first one, we are introduced mm-hmm. to uh, a man whose name I didn't write down. He's just a scientist, um, like the head scientist. Simon. Simon, the head scientist, he's like, ah, we were doing this and explains the whole thing of like bringing it close to the planet to get the minerals and whatever mm-hmm. uh, and says. And then the, we were attacked by Batarians who have like killed or taken everybody hostage and and put the, the rockets full blast toward the planet. Mm-hmm. Can I would you like me to give some background on the Batarians from um, from the. What's it called? The Codex? The Codex? Uh, yeah. Well, I think, uh, can I can I give my basic understanding yeah, yeah, yeah. real quick? And then you fill in the blanks that I will most mm-hmm. likely miss. So the Batarians, uh, I don't remember the specifics. Maybe you should just <laughs> read it. Maybe you should just read it. I know they have beef with humans. Yeah. So the Alliance began colonizing this this part of the galaxy called the Skillian Verge. Yeah. That the Batarians were already colonizing. And uh, it led to conflict between the two. And so the the Batarians went to the Citadel and were like, hey, they're like trying to take over this part of the galaxy that we are already colonizing. Can you please step in? And the Citadel refused to act. So sort of in protest, the Batarians closed their Citadel embassy, like cut off their diplomatic relations and became uh, like a rogue state. So then they began... Uh, trying to fight back against humans in the Skillian Verge, but did so by like funding criminal organizations to like get them to attack human colonies. Long story short, the humans sort of uh, prevailed and forced the Batarians to retreat. So they went back to their own systems. They're now rarely seen in Citadel space. And it's a really fascinating sort of setup for, you know, the idea that like, which is a very human thing to do is to come and be like, 
oh, this is yours. No, this is ours now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this feels like the necessary background almost to what we we just spoke about with the conversation you have with Liara, where she says humans are kind of seen as like bullies Mm -hmm. because you just like come in here and are like, this is ours now. And like, it totally makes sense when you you put that in the context of what happened in the Scillian Verge. Mm -hmm. And it it paints this really interesting portrait of the Batarians as like, you know, a people who were like kind of minding their own business and humans were like, you know, basically forced them out of this part of the galaxy and in effect out of like the galactic community as a whole. Right. Which like there's a lot to unpack there that I'm going to be candid. I don't think the game ever necessarily does. Mm. And as I alluded to earlier, for by and large, the Batarians that you see in the trilogy as a whole are just like terrorists, mercenaries, slavers. Mm. And there's some lip service paid in this mission to the idea that like not all Batarians are like that. That's just kind of like the factions of Batarians that now make contact with Citadel space and, and the other Citadel races because they've sort of been forced into that position. But like it's never really explored beyond that. Mm. But it's it's very interesting. And it feels like, again, something that I wish they had mined into more because it's it really is. It gives a very one dimensional view of Batarians. Um, yeah. When they're like, it's one opportunity, I feel like, to really, you know, we, we get a lot of dynamics between humanity and the citadel races right um but in terms of this i think really key part of the history of humans in the galaxy yeah the game the trilogy really doesn't give us a whole lot more than this um which is a bummer because it feels like a really good opportunity to unpack kind of the questionable things that the alliance has done yeah and i you know i I wish there were more of that in the game. It's it's mm. I think thematically one of the big missteps, especially when the game devotes, especially especially in this game, so much airtime to characters like Ashley about their distrust of alien races. Mm. And it's like, well, what have humans done to earn any trust? Yeah. That that I think is uh insufficiently explored. Hmm. A lot that was great. <laughs> that was that was great. I am bummed to hear that about the Batarians specifically, because I think like we never I mean, you know, I still haven't finished the first game. Granted, um, we never see a Batarian in the mm-hmm. game. We just hear about them and we see their codex entries. And for this mission to be like, oh, you finally found these Batarians like oh, they are, you know, as bad as people have said they they are. And then like when you turn off the third torch um you're confronted by uh chard uh mm-hmm. who is a batarian and he has his two guards and his little dog thing and he's like look like we don't like let's talk like let's not kill each other and it's like oh okay that's not what i'm expecting and and like i agree it's not like a super uh like good exploration of the mm-hmm. like oh you know not all batarians are, are like how we think they are but i think it's like it it could have been like a good starting point to like kind of plant the seed in the player's head of like, oh, like he I mean, it, it did with me at least. It was like, oh, OK, he wants to talk. And like he is just answering to a guy above, you know, to to whoever's right. above him who has these, the you know, this specific vendetta or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but to hear that that's kind of like all that we get 
in the series yeah. is a bummer. <laughs> well, and, and worth pointing out too, Charn isn't like, oh, you know, like this is not, we really didn't want to hurt anybody, whatever. Like yeah. he joined on to this mission because they were, he, as he describes it, doing a quick slave grab. That's true. Yeah. He is a slaver. Yeah. And so we're, you know, it's supposed to be like, oh, see, this guy isn't so bad. He didn't want to like do a terrorism, but he did want to do a slavery, you mm-hmm. know? So it's it, even their attempt to show us that nuance. It's it's still not actually all that. Yeah. It's, nuanced. A, little, it's a little clunky. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I mean, there is at some point when you're having a conversation with Simon, the head engineer, you can, I don't know, it's in some dialogue, you could sort of just be like, not all Batarians are terrorists, but these ones are. And it's just, (laughs) I mean, also like thinking about like when this came out in 2007. Mm. um, Four days after Barack Obama was elected president. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I, that was, we were in the throes of the war on terror and like, Mm. I am not someone who is at all qualified to speak about any of that. So I won't even touch it, but it just I'll do I'll give it a light tap. It seems like relevant context to the way that maybe there was something that was trying to be said here. But the political climate was very different back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think might explain a lot about why this was not explored uh, with sufficient nuance. Mm -hmm. Because, again, I mean, we're talking about conflict caused by disputes over settlements and damn yeah terrorists and right like there are there are echoes of like mm. conflicts in the middle east and you know islamic extremism and Mm. there is no nuance whatsoever (laughs) offered to us um and that was not a time when when we were looking at that in a nuanced way at all as as you know in american society specifically i guess i think the team that developed this game might have been Canadian, but in any in any sense, I think so. Either way, I mean, it's all part of the like Western sort of yeah. geopolitical. But yeah, the like I I think that's all worth saying. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I'll leave it there. But yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are my feelings on that. There you go. A lot of really good thoughts. Much certainly, certainly more well thought out than me. That was like cool asteroid. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I appreciate and and absolutely hear those takes. I think on a on a second playthrough or just like even some more time sitting with it and like thinking about it critically, I I you're absolutely right. So after you talk to Charn, <laughs> and uh, I let him go, I guess, or like I told him that I would take care of Balak Balak. Yeah, he basically he's like, hey man, like if I let you go this guy's going to have my ass, but also I don't really have that much of a dog in this fight. So with sufficient renegade or, or paragon um, and like charm and intimidate, you can be mm. like, listen, like I'll take care of this guy. So you don't have to worry about him if you just like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So it, he, he gets the fuck out of there. Or I assume if you don't have enough uh, of those points, you'll have to kill him. Yeah. And he gives you like his access key for the main facility where, where Balak is holed up. Yeah. So you go to the main facility. A lot of guys. A lot, lot of guys. This of guys. is a tough, tough fight. Yeah. And it's like a circular facility. So they're coming at you from like every angle. All angles. Yeah. Uh, it was rough. It was rough. But, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we prevailed. <laughs> Humanity prevailed. <laughs> um, and then Balak shows up and it's like, hey, 
let me go or I kill the hostages and you can kill me, mm-hmm. but I will kill the hostages. And I, I did let him go to save the hostages. So uh, did I. Yeah. In a previous playthrough, I did. Um, uh, I tried to to get him um, mm-hmm. and lost the hostages as a result. Ouch. Is there a way that you can rough. like is, is there a way you can you can get them and save the hostages or no? I don't know. Um, it's I guess it's possible that if I I wonder because the the whole thing with this this part of the game is um, as you let him go, you have th- three minutes yeah. to like disable the bombs. And at the same time, like combat drones are coming after you. When I did it, it's like the combat drones are coming after you. And also mm. you have to fight him and his people. And he is like so hard to kill. He's really, really, really strong. Yeah. Like he has very strong like shields, I think. Mm. And I don't know. I, I would have to check again if it's possible in that fight to like have the three minutes to disable the bombs as well, but it's really tough. Mm. It's uh, like, I'll tell you, I remember like I had to do that battle over and over again. Whoa. Um, Cause I died a lot. Wow. Yeah. So this was a lot easier to yeah. <laughs> just disable the bombs and you save yeah. them, but he does get away. Nice. Yeah. Well, cause I was like, I've already stopped the, the jets. So it's not like letting mm-hmm. him go is going to kill is going to like, you know, so why right. I might as well save as many people as I can, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're giving him the opportunity to like go pull something like this somewhere else. That's fair. But also, you know, well, we'll just stop him again, you know. So, yeah. And then you save Kate Bowman and the scientists. Uh, her brother, Aaron, was killed, uh, unfortunately. But you save them. And then Simon's like, hey, I, like, I'll give you anything. I've got people down on that planet. I'm going to like give you know, I'm going to hand in my badge or whatever. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. done. And you can get any like light, medium or heavy human armor um, or an Omni tool, I think, or mm-hmm. his Omni tool. <laughs> yeah. If you if you have enough charm or intimidate, yeah. you can get him to give you a really good Omni tool. Yeah. Which um, I did. Or do. he gave me the option for quarry and armor. Quarian armor. I did the Quarian armor. Oh, okay. I yeah, I thought about the Omni tool, but like I'm not playing a um a, an engineer type yeah, <laughs> character fair. right now. So I, I mean, I guess I could have given it to someone else. Yeah, I gave I mine to Tali. Like, yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm when we eventually play Mass Effect Two. I am gonna change classes because i yeah, just me too. being soldier is just like not that fun i don't have any mm. other cool powers um although like they get cooler powers i think in um in the subsequent games but i think i might switch i'm thinking sentinel right now sure i don't know <laughs> um we'll see but anyway yeah. sorry that was an aside um <laughs> but yeah i took the quarian armor um so tolly because tolly's a very squishy baby and so mm. now she is not very squishy she has like the armor is sick so I'm really excited for her. Nice. Yeah, I just gave her. So I, I found some quarry armor that was like way better than the stuff she had on. So I gave her that. Mm-hmm. The mm. stuff in general that you find on this mission, the weapons are all like level seven, level yeah, eight. Like they're you get wild. such good stuff in this DLC. Yeah, I mean, you figure this came out, you know, four months after the game came out. So they're like, mm-hmm. OK, well, this is probably post game for a lot of people. So we got to give it something to make them work. Right. It. And it is. It's good. Um, yeah. Speaking of armor, I've recently gave uh, Garrus this like pink and white armor. It's fucking sick. Oh, shit. It's I want to give him that. Yeah, it's really good. He looks incredible. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, that's the that's the mission. 
it was fun. It's awesome. It's great. It's a, yeah, it's a fun one. Interesting from a storytelling perspective, from a yeah. like world building perspective. Yeah. It gives you a lot more context. Yeah. Um, did you find the radio station? I did. I was going <laughs> to ask you if you found yeah. the radio station because I thought you would be excited about it. Yeah. So there's like, you know, there's these different outposts that you go to and you can like Simon asks you like, oh, I have mm-hmm. engineers and scientists like at these outposts. Like, can you go check on them and you go check on them? They're all dead. But it's there really is. Sad, yeah. Yeah. There is one that's like smack in the middle of the map. That's not marked because it's not like a transmitter outpost. It just is another place. And you can see mm-hmm. it from like the first one you go to. I mean, depending on which one you go to first, I guess. But you can see it like up on this ridge. You're like, oh, there's a building over there. Let's see what it is. Um, and it's a radio station. <laughs> And like you read the logs there and they're like, they said the music we were playing was too rock and roll or whatever. And you put it on and it's just like some like, like, like Samba guitar or something. It's like not, I don't know what, but what I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to turn it on. Oh yeah. If you, if you just go to like the screen thing, like where the screen would be, you could just turn it on and then you'll hear it. I I turned it on and it didn't, maybe it was like a glitch or something. It didn't play. Oh Um, yeah. Mine played right away. Bummer. Yeah, I, I I turned it on. I was like, oh, this is funny. And then I left the building and I could still hear it at full volume. And I was like, oh, I think this will just be on if I leave it on. <laughs> and I went and turned it off immediately. I was like, I can't handle this. That is um, really funny. Yeah, very funny. Is there anything else? Oh, <laughs> when you meet Simon, <laughs> he, he has a pistol out and like you round a corner and he just turns and shoots mm-hmm. and it hits your shield and you just like stand there like you weren't just shot at. Yeah. It's so fucking funny to see Shepard just like take a bullet to the shield and he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're like, nah, it hit the shield. It's fine. Like, yeah, it's like, it takes the- a lot more than that to take me down. <laughs> like, holy shit, dude. Like, man, mm-hmm. um, fucking hard as hell over here. Yeah. Uh, um, I just thought that was very funny. But yeah, so uh, do you have anything else for that mission? Um, No, that's it. That's, yeah. That's pretty much covers it. That's it. Good stuff. So then I guess that brings us brings us to our crew rankings or brings yeah. me to my crew rankings, I suppose. Yeah. I, OK, uh, bottom of the top. Ashley, last week, I believe I had her down at an F. She's at a D for me. OK. Um, are, are, are we doing E in this scale? <laughs> I never remember. <laughs> yeah, we did E for our final uh, Fire Emblem ones, but I never act- actually had E. on my Yeah, I don't think thing. we ever used. So e. she, she's one above F is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, I just think. Her story is really interesting to me and nothing else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure she's a, a a fine person, but she is not a good person. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So, so just above F for Ashley. It's, there's that's... substance, but the substance is disgusting. And then uh, A, we're going right to A. Uh, we've got Caden and Liara. And then S is Tally Garrison Rex. That's, that's that's what I've got. All of these characters are so good. Um, yeah. If I were ranking them just on like the the writing, I think they're all S. Like yeah, it's all it's all really really good stuff. It is. It's fantastic. Um, I think so. the rankings will be more interesting with uh, the subsequent games when sure. your your crew gets a lot bigger mm. and there's more variation. Okay. <laughs> um, but but what I think is interesting too is like there's also a lot of variation in how people feel about those characters mm. in in a lot of instances. So I'm really excited for for us to 
do that someday. Uh, yeah, I look for forward now, to it. I, I like you're very close to I think how I rank all of these characters. I yeah. might put Caden Nest here because yeah. I just every time I play this game, I I find something more interesting about him. Yeah, I think Caden's great. He's he's he's. I think Caden is a really interesting character with like a really interesting story, but he is personality wise kind of boring. <laughs> to, to me so that's why he's not s i think <laughs> the way that uh our friend uh, shout out to chase uh of video game podtimism which is a great podcast i highly yeah. recommend um we were chatting about this in the discord and he said if caden was like a guy i knew i would think he was very cool but in yeah. this video game uh you know <laughs> yeah. standing next to rex and garris and tally he's just like fine he's a um dude. which i can i can respect yeah but yeah there are very fun thing that's the thing there's not he doesn't do a whole lot in this game and i think the same is sort of true of ashley mm. they're just kind of there to be like here's how humans might feel about things um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> on two like opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. but uh the the relationship with with those characters gets really fascinating um in subsequent games so that that could also color my feelings about it sure but yeah i'm excited i'm excited to go to vermeyer yeah me too it's i think mission yeah. So that'll be next week. Getting I'm, into end game stuff already. Yeah. So is Vermeer the end or is it like it is, is not the end? Okay. It's it's sort of the it's the beginning of the end, I'll say. <gasps> it's it's where you start to really learn where all this is going. Mm. It's where you start to see the magic of of this game and yeah. the trilogy unfold. Yeah from a story perspective and a gameplay perspective. Sure. And then, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it when we, when we talk about Vermeer, but right. after that, the next mission that you do is really the ending of the okay. game. Okay. So this is like the penultimate big story mission. Cool. So that'll be all next week. That'll be all we're covering next week. Yeah. We're just going to cover Vermeer next week. Yeah. So it should be, I'll be interested to see how long it is because <laughs> on the one hand, Vermeer is like not a long mission. It's like two, two and a half hours, but mm. it is a rich text. Okay. <laughs> There's so All much right. that happens that I think we'll, we'll spend time lingering on. Cool. Well, I look forward to it. You have frozen. Oh, fuck. There you are. I look forward to it. I said, <laughs> um, oh, now you have frozen. Oh, geez. <laughs> All right, fuck it. I lost AJ. Um, I'm going to close out the episode myself. If you like the show, uh, you can find us on Twitter at AsyncPod. Uh, you can find AJ on Twitter at AJ Filari. You can find me on Twitter at Okimmies. Thank you to uh, Amaranthin for our music. And thank you to Scout Wilkinson for our amazing cover art. Um, you can find their information in the show notes. Uh, and my sign-off for today, uh, keep in mind when you meet people, they're just like you, jerks and saints. <laughs> what just happened? Oh, AJ's back. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lost you and I was still recording. I was like, yeah. I'm just going to sign off the episode myself. <laughs> We got to the end. <laughs> we did get to the end. Holy shit. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, well, Kim, thanks so much for signing off. Thank you everybody for listening. <laughs> no uh, problem. We'll see you in Vermeer. We'll see you in Vermeer. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> PWG.
the worst garbage, the online.